Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And I am your other host for the day, uh, DM Chris, aka DM Chris. <laughs> hey! hey! Never I gets old, it. Neil. Never nope. gets old. Um, it does not. Yeah, so we're really excited to be together today because we are talking about monsters, which is always a staple in running any D&D game. But we're not just talking plain old monsters. We're talking about how do we scale monsters either up or down to fit the stories that we're telling. Because let's be real, sometimes we want to use a Tarrasque, but we will never get to a level high enough to use a Tarrasque. So how do we scale something like that down? Or if... We're never going to get to a, 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 or if we have a specific enemy that we're thinking about, like we want to have orcs all the way through, how do we scale orcs up to get to a higher level when our players get to level 10 and you would need a billion of them to really do anything against your players? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So special shout out to Trish, who gave me this idea that I gave to Chris, who loved it and thought we should definitely record. Done. So. With that, though, we've got nothing else right now, so we're going to head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Welcome to that segue. Chris and I also decided that one of the things to do to start this conversation or frame the conversation around is to pick some monsters that are historically iconic D&D monsters. That way we can go up or down from there. So the question we want to tackle before that, though, is and you started to allude to it a little bit, but when and why would we even want to scale monsters up and down? There is a myriad of monsters across every CR that you could imagine from like, I think they go down as low as one eighth to people have gone up to into the 30s for these epic level campaigns. I mean, they so, do have some why? zero ones, like a cat, I think is zero. So you can, oh, <laughs> can you imagine yeah. scaling a cat up to be like challenge rating yes. 20? <laughs> Gosh. That'd be okay. insane. Now I need to know. What are the D&D. challenge rating zero monsters? Well, I'm going to go to D- D&D Beyond, who does not support this channel, this podcast. Um, they could if they felt like it, but <laughs> right now they don't. So uh, game rules, monsters. Yep, you are correct. Um, the Avatar of Death is a zero. An Awakened Shrub, a bab- Baboon, a Badger, a Bat. Um, let's go the other direction. Yep. Clear up to 30. The Tarask Tiamat. So there you go. So why, why, why would I do these things, Chris? Yeah, I, I think my number one reason is because it doesn't limit your story at that point. Like you can literally tell any story you want. You know, the story that I'm telling now with my players, there is a lich involved, but I, I guarantee in order for our players to get to, I think we have, we have four players for them to get to like level 12 or 13 uh if we're just going by xp like manage or leveling up instead of milestone and they're all new players so like we're taking it really slow getting to levels and i really wanted to tell a story with a lich in it they're not going to get up to level 12 13 14 that they need to be in order to fight the lich but the story that i want to tell involves 
a lich being a part of it. And so I have to work on scaling that lich down in order to still serve the purpose of the story um, and still have fun and still make it dangerous without them just like walking in and being like, finger of death, you're dead because you all have under 100 health points or one of the characters Mm -hmm. doing that not being able to save. Um, So, yeah, I think that's my number one reason is to not have your story be limited uh, by a CR so you can tell whatever, literally whatever story you want to tell. What about you, Neil? Why, why, why do you like the idea of scaling either monsters up or down? Well, I think that that's just it, the narrative choice. Um, I think also just if you or your players have an affinity or a desire to fight, use certain monsters, like there you go. Like that, that's more than enough. If someone hasn't fought a dragon, but you're playing in a fifth level game, like introduce that dragon and make it the dragon as dragony as you can just to give them that experience. That's more than enough reason to try and decide I want to take the essence of an ancient or and then bring it down to the these characters. Uh, so I think really just figuring out what your characters love. Maybe they really like fighting goblins and like you mentioned or orcs. So you have an entire goblin or orc campaign and that's okay too. Like whatever like story element or what your players are drawn to, um, to keep them engaged. Yeah. I think, you know, another reason why I think scaling monsters, especially down is helpful is because none of us as DMS either run a ton of campaigns that get up to that high of a level. And so just from a simplistic standpoint of cutting things out or, you know, you know, not, you don't necessarily have to cut health or AC down, but like if you have a spelled or if, if you have a spell caster for some reason that is a big bad guy or has a lot of actions that they can take or layer actions or so many things that just like can compound on top of itself that it gets really complex because let's be real, sometimes we show up to a table with every intention to run a super sweet monster, and then we totally botch it because there's so many things. And we think about it afterwards like, oh, that's right. And Aboleth has layer actions, and I forgot about every single one of them you know, yep. while I was doing this. And so I think just from a simple, or just from a standpoint of simplicity, uh, so that you don't have to keep so many things in front of your mind the entire time if you don't have a ton of time to prep, but still want to run a super iconic monster, Simplicity is another reason to scale monsters down to be able to fit into your game. I like it. It's just because you want to. Like <laughs> yeah. and at the end of the day, that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the biggest driving forces, I think, is that you you stumbled upon a piece of art only to find out. I mean, if any of this is on video, I have a hilarious image of like a displacer beast uh with the name kitty weapons because they're renamed um monsters but like you could see a displacer beast and think that's amazing but i want it to start my campaign or that's amazing and i we're already 10th level what am i gonna do um yeah so introducing it and i think the other thing that just came to me is subverting those expectations because uh, some of the stuff that i was watching to try and prep for this that was that was it or maybe i was listening to another podcast I don't know because I, fo- I force feed a lot of information <laughs> into my brain so then I feel bad because I can't call back to it specifically. But the idea of like early Dungeons and Dragons, like like goblins, but then like 
expert Navy SEAL level goblins all of a sudden for this 10th level campaign. And you you took you didn't necessarily adjust. And this will start to get into how to do this is like you didn't necessarily just adjust the stat block. You adjusted what they do. And so maybe the single thing that you adjusted was the intelligence in that they're not just dumb but they're using their pack, like their pack tactics or so maybe it was cobalt. Um, but the idea that they'll just use everything they have to the best of their ability. And like that, that might be enough to scale them. Yeah. So I think that's interesting, Neil, that you, you bring that up. How, how else can we see creatures going? How, how can we scale them up or down? You know, you, you kind of alluded to um, raising, you know, their intelligence a little bit. So they have a bit more smart. So they're not just like running in, you know, Navy. I mean, let's take Navy seal goblins, for example, let's take a regular goblin just for fun yes, and turn it into super BA Navy seal type goblin. Like what are some things that you would take this very low level CR creature and bring it and boost it up a little bit? So, the yeah so the, now you're talking about the intelligence is, is step one so then their ability to prepare and so then that's where you start to get into another a dial that i would say you can turn for a monster to make it more difficult to fight is that you're turning up like the preparation that's taken and so are they setting up elaborate traps for your for your party to fall into are they doing some sort of crazy pincer moves and attacking from one side and the other um to get advantage or to get flanking if you're using those rules but the idea that they're just more prepared and you're you could like i said you could still use that same stat block as it's written but then you're using some of the tactics, honestly, that the players use against the players. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I can think of is like raising its dexterity a little bit so that it can hide better um, in a, a tunnel or whatever it is. You have a couple of them that are hiding out and they want to be really well hidden and they're really well trained. Raise their dexterity so their sneak or their uh, their sneak or their hide goes up, and then they get surprise rounds on your player. Surprise rounds do so much more damage to your players because they don't know what's coming. It throws them off guard coming in uh, to a fight and it keeps them concealed a little bit longer, essentially getting a whole round worth of damage in on your players before your players can get any damage in on them potentially. So that's one thing if we're going to try and make it, you know, you raise it. I don't know what the the number is for goblins off the top of my head for its dexterity, but raise it two or three points. So they get an extra... Um, or extra modifier in dexterity and then their hide goes up and you know every i think that could be one thing that you do uh for the goblin specifically uh to make them a little bit more intense yeah and this one will get a little crunchier than most of our episodes but just to use fifth edition as a frame of reference let's they start at 16 we'll bump or they start at 14 we'll bump them to 16 giving an additional bonus so their stealth which they're proficient in will go up to seven and now one thing that i wouldn't think to do with goblins is they have nimble escape so you can use disengage or hide as a bonus action on each of your turns so then you just shoot and then use nimble escape and now you're hidden and you just continue to do that as that like continue to do that as your tactic to remain hidden and do more damage as well. 
Yeah, I think there's the the fun in like giving enemies magic items too in some ways, mm-hmm. you know? So could you give goblins boots of spider climbing or something, you know, so that they're up on a cavern instead? It doesn't necessarily raise any of their abilities, but it makes them a little bit more difficult because now they're up on the ceiling or give them boots of flying, right? You have an <laughs> an aerial <laughs> goblin assault, right? That they just have bows. And now all of your users who are melee are like, well, crap, what do I do? You, you haven't raised any abilities of these goblins, but what you've done is you've significantly impacted the way the battle looks and feels and operates, thus making it more difficult for, say you have a fighter and a barbarian. If your fighter is not one that has access to magic abilities to shoot up in the air at these creatures, are they going to have to climb a tree and try and hide and then jump out when one flies by? Like, what are they going to have to do at that point? Throw their sword at it? Or maybe a javelin that really only has like 20 feet of range and then Mm -hmm. 60, you know, the rest of it is at disadvantage up till 60. And then, you know, like you're, you're significantly impacting the way the battle can go just by giving it not anything that's going to overpower your players necessarily. Like they might want boots of flying, which is a cool thing, but like it's a cool thing, but you're probably not going to do that when they're level one. You know, we're talking about bumping these creatures up when your players already have access to some magic items if they want to. Uh, or maybe you just have one or two of the goblins have boots of flying, so your whole party isn't now just a flying party of death mm-hmm. upon every other creature. Yeah, and the other way to go about that is potions, because then you're not not going to give that out. I mean, that sounds mean, but it, it's not, because you don't want to break that economy of scale either, because then you've given too much, and now you have to constantly turning that dial up on your side just to make it engaging for the players. Um, but So then you give a potion of fly. And did they all have a potion of fly? I don't know. Also, this is going to throw back to way, way, way old. So in original EverQuest, there was a, an NPC called Fippy Darkpaw. <laughs> it was basically like this rando who would shout threats and potentially go attack a town. What you could do is you could, if like, basically you could give Fippy a, a, an amazing weapon and then they would go destroy that town in EverQuest. Um, there you go. That's just immediately what it made me think of is this random goblin that has this like end all be all artifact level weapon for reasons unknown Um, or threats to actually has it somewhere. Yeah, just destroying absolutely everyone. Um, So one of the things that we haven't talked about and I would like to talk about so that we say that it's not necessarily the best idea um, is the number of goblins that you could throw at your players is an all is always an option. Um, but I don't necessarily necessarily think it's a great option um, because at that point, like it just, it may just make the, the combat longer and that's not necessarily more fun or more interesting for you or your players, especially like managing that on your side as the DM of like, okay, I got to keep track of the hit points of 20 goblins and, and like, did the dice like me? Yeah. And I was just like, Oh cool. I got a lot more twenties yeah. and that's not great. There's always the idea of waves that you could bring in too, like staggering them a little bit saying, goblins in a different room heard this right and they are a hundred feet away it's going to take them two or three rounds to get here and so by that time 
three or four goblins have died. Now five more enter into the battle, and it's made it that much more dangerous for them. You know, one of the things I think is super easy um, to, and I'll say it, but then I want to have a little bit of a dialogue with you because the episode would be real boring because probably everybody knows that this is a super easy way to bump up challenge rating, Neil, is to add more health or to add more AC Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. Neil, Uh, question for you. Which would you rather do for a character or for, for a for a creature? Would you rather bump its health or bump its AC? Which would you be more inclined to do first? Okay, so this is a gaming term that it, it immediately made me think of because it, for many, many years, when I played World of Warcraft, I always played a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, and it always like, that's my video game mentality takes me to those levels. I was like, awful I also, at tanking every single time we would do a raid or a dungeon. People were like, you're not drawing enough attention. I'm like, I'm yeah. a bear druid, man. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. And so that, yeah. And then like, I was, I was doing like max level raiding as a tank and, and things like that. So, and then also like my go-to is a dwarven cleric. So like, that's always where I've gone. So Effective health is is why we, we put these two together because armor class and hit points together make your effective health because if you're not hit, you're still alive. Um, even if you had one hit point, but they can't hit you, then you live longer. So my thing is actually to turn up armor class is a better way to go um, because then it may make it harder to hit. But then once that hit happens, it is more effective. Yeah, um, that's that's what that's what I was going to say, too, is to turn up the AC first. Turn it up to 11, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it does make it that much harder to hit. Whereas I, I think for the one point of AC and I'm sure somebody's done the mathematics out there. Like if you what how to how to and maybe we can find something like this and link it if we do find it. But like what is essentially the effective health of for every AC? How much health would you have to add to a character? You know, I mean, in some ways it is more fun for your players to hit things over and over and over and over again. At the same time, it's really fun for your players when they struggle and then they finally get the hit in, you know, raising something from a 15 to a 16 makes it that much more difficult, you know? And and the thing is too, I mean, this is kind of, some people might call it cheating some point, but if a battle ends really quickly, say you do bump the AC up and players still hit it, you can always add health later on in the battle. You can't always go, well, everybody's figured yeah. out the AC is 16, and now I've bumped it to 17. Everybody's going to be like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. What just happened here? That's mm-hmm. not cool. Uh, I mean, you can probably come up with some reason why it's happened, but uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I think at raising the AC is probably my go-to first step for increasing um, a challenge for our players. Yeah, and the other thing is looking at HP is a range, but yeah, it's not really the dial to turn that much either because like, like having a battle go a little bit longer, like I, is that, is that interesting? Is that fun? I, I don't know, but unless there is like a specific reason you, you wanted to do a certain move or there's like a narrative point that you needed to make in like that next round somehow, but yeah, if you had a, like a specific narrative point, like what was what was keeping you from making that narrative point prior to now? 
Like why, what is that extra round of health um, or two rounds of health? And then if you're turning both dials, now we kind of have like, then it's just this slog that's not that interesting either. So here's an interesting thought too, Neil, that I would love your thoughts on. So one of the things that I've done in the past to keep my players a little in the dark on characters and creatures is to effectively have them have different AC for each creature. So if you have four orcs, one might have a 14, one might have a 17. Giving them different regular armor could do that as well as they go into a battle instead of just saying like, oh, they all look the same, but one has a 17 AC instead, you know? That that could be fun for a for a battle because it just keeps your players guessing a little bit. You know, if you have waves on top of that with different creatures coming in that are now different um, ACs for each one as well, it might be a little bit more tricky. Like you might have to keep track a little bit a little bit uh, more. But that's always something fun to do for your your uh, battles as well to keep your players guessing. Yeah, the other. The other thing that made me think of, which we've alluded to before, talking about the idea of the goblins using nimble escape is, and this is probably the one dial that I would say is the most interesting. I I hate to say most effective because certainly like I don't, I don't know. I guess our only real goal here with the, with the episode, in my opinion, is to give tools. Mm-hmm that you can try at your table to see if they work for you and your table. That is the that is the be- best I can say about anything that we've said thus far, um, because some of these things won't work. Like they won't work for you. They won't work for your table. They won't be interesting, but some of them will 100% be exactly what you needed. So one of the things that I would say is the action economy, like that's where you need to play and have the most fun. Because now I took the goblin and I gave it uh, bonus actions, um, or I gave it really interesting reactions, um, that like fit outside of the norm. Um, like, do I have this all like these, are these all in goblins or is it a mix of both? I mean, going with the Navy seal idea. Um, so we have some that are in the back that are using their bonus action to hide, but what if when you're up close, there's kind of a goblin that uses their reaction to leap. And so then they're going to stab you because you stabbed at them and they don't care about the consequences that happen because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I think you could give to a lot of different creatures, like I I have a group of gnolls that regularly re-show up to our players while they're in this jungle area. And they have this ability called Rampage, where when a gnoll reduces a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack on its turn, the gnoll can take a bonus action to move up to half of its speed and make a bite attack against creatures so like could you give creatures like goblins re reword that to some in some way or just give them rampage and say that they are just bloodthirsty hungry you know creatures instead of taking a bite attack they get a swing with their scimitar instead you know Mm -hmm. like the null pack lord has the ability to insight rampage so in your group of goblins like they might not have this but you could now create a leader who might be a little bit buffed in some way and you say they get insight repay rampage, which is recharge on a five or a six. One creature the null, or the goblin can see within thirty feet of it can use its reaction to make a melee attack if it can hear the goblin that has just let out this guttural battle cry, or they have a horn with them, you know, that they blow instead, and now they insight rampage in this one goblin that's with them, you know. Like could that be um 
taking and stealing different action economy, if that's the word we're going to use for it, uh, things that other creatures have and buffing them onto a creature that might not have that. That's a, that's another thing that you could do uh, to help kind of up the ante a little bit for some of these creatures to make them a little bit more difficult as the adventure goes along and your players get more and more dangerous to the world around them. Mm-hmm. The other thing was, and you had mentioned it, or I mean, basically it comes out of something you have already said is adding well, and I guess it's combined with something I already said, but it's adding layer actions. Um, did these goblins prepare? Like, uh, I know a layer action sounds, oh, it, it's a it's a dragon layer, and they're on their horde. There's these special things they could do, but it could also just be that they have one thing that they can do. Um, and even, and again, it's getting a little bit more crunchy, but the idea that like you have a layer action and you can't use the same layer action twice in a row. So if you gave this group of goblins one layer action, mechanically, you could say they could only do it every other round. Um, but come initiative 20, is there like a swinging log? I don't know. Like, is that cool? I maybe, but the idea that they could do something every other round because they have prepared to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting idea of like adding traps in as layer actions. Like, could there be, you know, you have a battle map drawn out. There's specific squares that have a pit trap underneath them. And as a layer action, one of the goblins, uh, can, pull a lever that he's standing next to a, a, a marksman can pull do all of his abilities but then layer action is if you have like a group layer action let's say they pull the lever that's next to them your players fall down into a pit of spikes that are below them because that one player was on top of that pit spike the entire time it's mm-hmm. not something that will recharge but it's like a a usable layer action that now is gone you know it was one they prepared for yeah now it's gone and we move on from there, you know, like those sorts of things can make a, make an encounter. And that, that's kind of encounter management, I guess, in a way, not necessarily leveling up a creature, but we're, we're kind of mixing, mixing both encounter building and goblin, which yeah. makes an entire encounter more difficult than maybe just the creature being buffed in some way. Yes. So this feels this feels almost diamnastics like, but <laughs> is there is there a monster on so we found a few articles and just digging around on ye old interwebs to find what are iconic Dungeons and Dragons monsters and uh is there one that you have? I mean, you alluded to the Tarask, but essentially that you would want to scale up or scale down. Mm. Yeah, I think one that I'm doing already is a lich. Um, so mm-hmm. that would be a little bit of a cop out because I've always wanted to run a lich, but I've never had a player get that far before or players get that far f- before to be able to do it. So one that I want to pick is the Abolith because it's one that like I think is an iconic monster, but often gets overlooked, I think, for different ones because it is like, a water creature. Sometimes people don't know how to necessarily use water creatures exactly that well because most of our players are not in the water regularly, or if it does happen, they're on a boat or whatever it is. So, um, yeah. So let's let's pick the Abolith. Let's figure out how do we scale. We'll probably have to scale. Let's let's say we have a, a smaller group of players, a, a lower level group of players, and we want to scale an Abolith down. 
to a lower challenge rating for our players to be able to encounter this iconic monster um, and not just die right away. <laughs> so, Neil, yes. how, how, what's one thing, if you have it up, what's one thing that you might change about an Aboleth to make it easier? Um... Besides health, we'll take health. That that will no, just no, be yeah, an automatic. Yeah. Like you could you could cut health in half or take fifty points off from its health. What, but let, let's talk a little bit grittier. What what are some okay. things that you would change? Uh, enslave, it's out. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, because that that's that's one that just. I mean, it messes up any party at any level. So to turn that dial down, um, taking away the enslaved, so that the person is not charmed, um, that's really going to help out with um keeping again now now in a lot of ways we're talking about that action economy that's really Mm -hmm. like i said that for me that's the place i would have the most interesting fun playing with and turning dials so i've turned that dial in leaving it more in the terms of the player Mm -hmm. because now they all still i mean that's a big oh my gosh that is not I hate my brain sometimes. Uh, it made me think of uh, the glorious movie that is one of my favorites of all time, Dodgeball. Uh, <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <clears throat> dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge. But the like that swing of like, okay, so you've got you've got so many players on one side and so many players on the other. But the idea that okay, so not only do they have one less, I have one more. Mm-hmm. Like so, then taking taking that out. That's my number one. Yeah, I think. You know, you could also, if you don't want to take enslave all the way out, you could lower its its DC, its its dec- its check in order for somebody to fail. Or there's like the person who takes damage has to repeat the saving throw. You could take the repeating the saving throw and just say when a character takes damage, it breaks. You know, so there's like mm-hmm. little tweaks to that that you could make if you don't want to take it out all the way. But I agree with you 100. percent Like take enslave out totally a different ball game because it's literally the Aboleth versus everybody at that point. Um, I think so. Some of the obvious things is you could, you could lower damage the number of dice that are thrown. You could do that. Seems like a little bit of a cop out. Um, I would take away, um, one of its multi-attacks. So instead of doing three, it just does two now instead uh, with its mm-hmm. tail. So that's a that's a really easy one to take out in order for just less damage to be done overall uh, to the characters. Um, add that in with hit points being gone, you've now got a lower CR challenge rating Aboleth for your players to come up against. Mm-hmm. Anything the, else you would want to change, Neil? So the... So why, Chris? Why? Why am I putting this lower level Aboleth in there? I mean, one of the easy things you could say is that it's just a younger Aboleth from all the older ones. Mm-hmm. It hasn't learned everything yet. And it's to enhance the storytelling that your players get to enjoy. Um, they get to enjoy yeah. this crazy looking creature that can do weird things, can probe their mind, find out all of these fears that they have. And at the end of it, they had to kill it. And inside of it, they find somebody who had died and a magic item they're looking for that continues them on a quest. There you go. And I also like the idea that if there's any character that has telepathy or anything close or divination or something along those lines, what what could you feed back? So you could have that introduction earlier into the campaign. And is it that there's this um, insidious abolith 
run plot where they've finally grown enough strength deep within the ocean and they're moving forward um, to try and take over more of the world. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I like that. So I so I looked up another one that I was like, oh, this would be fun. And I guess I just didn't realize I just have too much knowledge and time with it. But the rust monster is only a CR one half. Yeah, which is crazy. I don't know what to do with that. So apparently we're going to go the other direction um, and we're going to turn this up. Um, so how are we going to take a rust monster and make it even more terrifying for our higher level group? I was just looking on D&D Beyond and in Prince of the Apocalypse. They have a rust monster pit <laughs> where your players fall into it and there's rust monsters in there. Like, now that sounds we're awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, unless they don't have any rust on them, then they're fine. One thing that the rust monster can you can do is you can turn the dexterity or the the DC of eleven for a dexterity saving throw against being touched by the antenna. You could turn that up uh, to like thirteen mm-hmm. instead, mm-hmm. Um, because when a rust monster touches metal, it, it like erodes like a one square foot or something like that. I can't remember. what it is but i mean that becomes significantly harder to beat because now it's also lowering the ac of your players subsequently making them easier to hit um changing the tactics that they have to use for that battle uh overall so that would be one thing i mean to turn it up a little bit not taking a rust monster from one and a half to like 10 on the challenge rating yeah but like just bumping it up a little bit more and bringing your players and humbling them a little bit um, by turning its antenna DC up a little bit. Yeah, and I, the it made me. I mean, one of the ways that I think of often is like you have that dragon progression. So that, I mean, that is kind of a built-in feature of Dungeons and Dragons is to look at like what is a wormling compared to an ancient, mm-hmm. and the progression through that. So then it made me think of like what is an older or or I don't know that I want to say ancient, but an older rust monster. I would definitely turn up the armor class because even narratively and thematically that makes sense to me because they are drawing in that that power so then the other thing is like uh, in their advanced age are they more adept at destroying magic um obviously that's terrifying Mm -hmm. and i i would hate to do irreparable damage to a player um or rather yeah maybe it may hurt my player forever and they can never (laughs) get over it but irreparable damage to a character's equipment um without Again, first off, if this is the route I'm going, I'm signaling that super hard that after X number of things that that, that's a potential, um, but that they're later talk about ways to renew that magic and things like that. Mm -hmm. But the ability to destroy magic is very interesting. Yeah, because that that is one thing that it says is non-magical weapons made of metal are the ones that Mm -hmm. degrade. But now you have a rust monster that's older and that can wear through that like, ugh. Yeah. Be careful with that plus one plus one sword that also creates lightning when it strikes something. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was one thing that I was going to say too. Is like mm-hmm. you could almost create a rust monster that the more it gets hit by metal things, the more damage it does. So it does a one d eight plus one bite attack. It gets hit by a weapon. It now does one d eight plus two piercing damage. It's not a huge mm-hmm. amount of damage extra, but every time it ingests or erodes some metal it adds to them in some way shape or form and makes them a little bit more uh dangerous 
not a ton, but a little bit. But I mean, you you bump it up with a higher with some higher hit points as well. This might be one time to add hit points to make it progressively get harder and harder. Could become a really dangerous rust monster. Yeah. Um, so here's another idea that I had that you you started to go towards and I thought you were going one direction. You <laughs> went a different one. It was great. Um, but the idea of, okay, so they destroyed this magical sword of lightning. So what if it's that they, oh my gosh, this is just a terrifying road I'm going down. <laughs> um, what if it's that they ate a ring of invisibility? And now that's the ability that they have. Like oh, they can turn yeah. invisible. Or what if it's a ring of regeneration? And so then again, now now you also have that element that like if the players are willing, um, that like they find that item as well. Yeah. So afterwards. Yeah. But then like whatever the this older rust monster has inside of it, it also has those same abilities. Mm. Um oh my gosh. The ring of spell storing. Like what's in there? <laughs> like, did they like all of a sudden just boom, this fireball erupts from this rust monster? I don't know. But that, this is definitely all these like fun dials that we can turn up again. Yeah. Well, I think with the antenna ability too, you could say any metal that it does eat, not from being hit. So it might have this ability when it gets hit, it gains more damage. But if it erodes something like a shield or armor or anything metal around it, it now regenerates hit points instead. So mm-hmm. every time it eats something, it regenerates or erodes something, it regenerates five health points, you know? Uh, could be something that players are like, why is this little thing like this is a, we're like level one right now. And this thing is not dying. It's one thing. Why is that? Well, cause it's regaining health points every time it corrodes some metal. And it also has the spell scroll or spell storing inside of it. And they all blow up at level one. Cause it has fireball in there. That could be fun. <laughs> uh, ring of shooting stars. Then it just does a bunch of ball, ball lightning or actual shooting stars. Fantastic. Great ideas. Okay. So the one thing that I don't know what we're going to do to talk about is homework for people to go check out. This one doesn't necessarily fall as much into the like, go watch this show. I lied. Go watch Pokemon. Mm, Done. Evolutions, baby. Uh, Digimon. Hmm? Digimon. Digital monsters. Mm-hmm. So those, are, I mean, those are those are potentially ways that that you could do it. The other would be um, to actually like again, like go whatever whatever role playing game you're you're playing. Maybe they already have examples built in um, to figure out what the designers of a game did when turning things up and down. So the idea that um, again that progression of wormling to ancient, like you can see specific CR points, um, and yeah. So those are my two thoughts real quick. Chris, did you have anything? Yeah, I mean, YouTube is chock full of other people that have talked about this as well. So you Mm -hmm. can go and watch anybody. Like I just did a quick YouTube search. Like the DM layer has something, Dawn Forge cast, Nerdarchy. Like there's a whole bunch of them out there. I think really the homework is um, just try it. Like there's really no other way to do it than to try it. Like if you have an upcoming battle, you know, one of the things that I'm doing right now is there's a recurring group of gnolls that keeps coming back to plague our party um, over and over again when they're in the jungle. 
they've just been killing them. They haven't figured out that there's a story element to why they're doing it. But as they've gotten bigger in level, the gnolls have also had to get bigger in level. So maybe think about what's one recurring creature that your people, your players have come up against and just work on tweaking it so that it can come back again and and keep trailing them wherever it is that they're going as they get higher and higher in level. Yeah, I absolutely love the idea that even if you're not trying to scale something, you you have the opportunity in that next battle to try scaling something. Mm-hmm. Um, that you like you you. I'm saying that like you don't have the narrative motivation right now. Maybe you don't have the art that inspired you. You don't have a monster that your players really want to battle. Um, you're just like, yeah, I'll try it. And so then I, my thought was like, okay, so the goblins are showing up. What if I say that all of them have shields? And so now I've chosen to give every goblin plus two AC. What does that look like? I don't know. Um, but yeah, go, go and do dungeon master away. Yeah. I mean, one thing is just, yeah, I think you're right. Like just change, change the armor that the, that creatures are wearing. See how it feels, see how it looks like that's a super easy, easy homework thing to mess around with. Um, and it might give you fun ideas of other things to tweak. Awesome. Well, Hey Chris, thanks for coming on. Hey Neil, thanks for having me. I just want to thank Chris again for coming on and spending some time here at the dungeon. Wait a minute. That's not how this works. (laughs) But if you wanted to get a hold of us and tell us about how you've been scaling monsters, the dials that you've been turning and the ways that it's worked or not worked, you can always get a hold of us and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you would like to show us some appreciation for the show, uh, you can go to iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you use and leave a five-star review or whatever the subsequent highest review is on that podcast you can find us on twitter at dms underscore block that's dms block give us a follow tell us what you liked about this episode when it is live and you can like us on facebook as well at dungeon master block as always the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can check out other shows like dmnastics dungeons and dragons and daughters detentions and dragons and more Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at your table. Have a great night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Mastering.